Welcome to Sky Talkers. Here are your hosts, Charlotte and Caitlin. Hello, and welcome to Sky Talkers. I'm your host, Charlotte. Hey, everyone. I'm your other host, Caitlin. And boy, do we have a lot to discuss, guys. A lot of stuff has happened within the last 24 hours. I, we, at the time of recording this, it was only 24 hours that we found out about all this. <laughs> it's been a day. It's been a day since that four-hour-long Disney investor presentation that oh we all my God. did on our televisions and sat through. Hours of discussion about Disney Plus internationally and star learned some new terms and concepts that we <laughs> some of us might not have known about. <laughs> really uh, felt the corporate synergy. Really felt the corporate. I my my brain has turned into business jargon mush. <laughs> yeah, you know so much um, churn and in concert with yeah in concert with (laughs) it's just re-upping subscriptions (laughs) my favorite is deep emotional connection to our consumers I love having a deep emotional connection to an intellectual property and a huge conglomerate it feels so good <laughs> to our consumers specifically, not fans, not audience, consumers. But also in the same sentence called us consumers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all know it, right? Like we all know Disney is this massive corporation making billions of dollars. You're under no um illusions there. It's yeah, it's it is. <laughs> so I mean I guess it's better they said consumer than close personal friends. <laughs> Yeah, and to be fair, it's we were all tuning into something called Disney Investors Day, which is not like D23, but online. It was different. So yeah. to be fair, the corporate jargon was uh, well-placed, if not a little much, for the four-hour content and the latter so- half of that entire presentation being like a San Diego Comic-Con oh hall God. situation. <laughs> I mean, so much. My emotions, to be fair, like... I'm thrilled that we were able to tune into this and they had a, a whole presentation that wasn't just available to investors because Caitlin and I are not investors in the Walt Disney Company. And I'm pretty happy that they did this because it was really an entertaining way to spend a Thursday night, if I'm if I'm being completely honest. But it was a little strange to have no one around me to kind of freak out about certain these, some of these announcements with. I don't know about you, Caitlin. I was like, this is kind of dystopian for me being like, yes, Hayden Christensen is back. And like, just <laughs> the air next to me, like to the air next to me. <laughs> Surprised you didn't like r- start running through the hallways of your building. <laughs> just Hayden Christensen. <laughs> <laughs> you should on everyone's door you should go you know in the dark of the night this weekend and just put a a, a post-it on everyone's door in your building of hayden christensen is returning as darth vader in the kenobi tv series i would totally do that if someone dared me i dare money. you no for money <laughs> <laughs> that's not a, that's not a dare that's that's a transaction so you're right you're right you're right <laughs> i think we can i think we could crowdsource some funds for that yeah yeah well that was a it was a wild ride and caitlin and i feel like we have a lot to talk about and i know you all are eager to hear what we think about each of these announcements so why don't we dive right on into it you know without further ado let's get started on our our first announcement okay when they started start everything was everything was hunky-dory right we're going along i'm laughing at the corporate jargon i've got a gin and tonic 
I, I've got it on the big screen. Everything is great. And then they're like, and here comes Kathy Kennedy. And yeah, the fact that they started with Star Wars. It was just like uh, D23, Keelan. Remember when they started with Star Wars? Oh, we were my like God. My, dead my for the heart. rest of the four-hour presentation. My heart rate just skyrocketed. I was like, oh, okay, okay, all right, all right, okay, it's time. Here we go, here we go. Well, let's not forget that the presentation basically in the first five minutes of this four hour presentation, like we're at this point, like for the Kathy Kennedy appears like two hours into this whole thing with the, the presentation started with Bob Chapek saying that they were going to be a- adding 10 Star Wars oh, yeah. series to and every like the Internet was like 10, 10, 10. Like, it just seems like such an astronomically large number for production when we've been so used to you know one movie a year which feel which at the time felt insane (laughs) but with this announcement it was like oh my god okay continue sorry set the stage caitlin for what your reaction was the stage uh a high heart rate yep (laughs) but one of the first i don't know is this the order so charlotte and i have pulled up we're gonna go through starwars.com has their list of uh, of everything that was announced yesterday on the investors call. I can't remember. Is this the same order that they actually announced it in? I don't think so. I don't I think, think it they was. started with The Mandalorian. Yeah. Yeah. They started with The Mandalorian in like a, a recap of how well it was going and yeah. its premiere and its impact on Disney Plus. And uh, no mention of <laughs> the rise of Skywalker. Absolutely none. Zero. Zip. <laughs> interesting. Just <laughs> an interesting choice. It's a very interesting choice, uh, especially when they do talk about theatrical releases too. So yeah. it would have been different if everything had kind of been plugged as Disney Plus content. Mm-hmm. But they they made a point to talk about theatrical releases too. So anyway, uh, I don't think – so we're not going – we don't remember the order that they announced everything in exactly yesterday. So we're going based off of what uh, is on StarWars.com where they have the whole list of everything. And so the first thing we're going to be talking about is the feature film, the next Star Wars feature film, Rogue Squadron, directed by Miss Patty Jenkins of the Wonder Woman franchise. So excited. Can you believe, Caitlin, we're getting a woman-directed Star Wars movie? It has been, I think, 40-something years with, you know, no woman-directed Star Wars film, and it's finally happening. And it's Patty Jenkins. I, I know you and I had such a spiritual experience when we saw Wonder Woman in the movie theater in 2017. Mm-hmm. That was like, I think we even talked about it on the show when when it happened. We were like, oh my God, that was the best. (laughs) It was such a good experience. And I'm so excited for the next, the sequel. Yeah, we we went back and saw it a couple times. I did my hair in like a a Wonder Woman braid and Mm -hmm. we got a picture in front of, we had someone take a picture of us in front of the the cardboard stand in the, in the movie theater, which we don't, we don't really do that. No. (laughs) Unless it's Star Wars. (laughs) You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> That's kind of our only exception to that. So doing that, uh, Wonder Woman, I remember, yeah, coming out of it the first time and we were just, we were like, this is incredible. <laughs> like, yeah. This is so great. This film had everything that we wanted out of it. So that makes me really excited for Patty and for her to come into the Star Wars universe. And I'm just, I'm kind of in disbelief that like it's Patty Jenkins. Her name has been thrown around as someone who, you know, Star Wars fans would love to direct a Star Wars movie. And I could be wrong about this, but I could have sworn that in the past she said that she's had conversations and it just wasn't, it just didn't work out. 
or she was too busy with DC or something. There was a lot of like PR of it's just, that's just not for me. I'm going to stick here. And I, I think that also happened with Ava DuVernay. And I think that because of that, I haven't heard a lot of people throw her name around in what directors people really wanted to do Star Wars. So for me personally, I kind of took her off the table as a possibility. To say that I am excited about this is an understatement because the way Patty talks about romance and cheesiness and love being the center of the stories that she tells, Mm -hmm. I feel like it is so in line with the ethics of Star Wars that I cannot wait for this. And, you know, the thing that's funny about this is that, you know, the title Rogue Squadron, you know, a lot of our friends are really into the Rogue Squadron books and the the video games. And Kayla and I are very unfamiliar with that. (laughs) Very. (laughs) And I I think that what the movie kind of sounds like, at least from the initial um, like PR that was released around Patty, that she did this awesome video that ended with her getting into an X-wing. It was really cool and really cool. nice in the jumpsuit. Yeah, it was perfect. Um, but it seems like she has a real connection with the fighter pilot story and everything. And it was a real kind of badass video. And to me, it kind of sounds like Top Gun. But how can we make Top Gun? almost a uh, female gaze. I don't know. I, I There's a lot of possibilities for where this could go. And we have such little detail because it's just happened. But man, is it exciting. Yeah, I think the, you know, the Rogue Squadron title, I'm like, again, this goes back to like resistance, right? I didn't think I'd be interested in a story about pilots. And it turns out I was very interested in a story about pilots. And I think this is kind of the same thing where like, oh, the premise, I'm not, you know, I was like, is this what I want? And then hearing – because we all know that George Lucas has often cited, you know, bomber planes in World War II, fighter pilots and stuff as a huge inspiration for him uh, during the original trilogy. I think that's something we've all heard a number of times. And um, even Dave has referenced this with inspiration for resistance and stuff like that. But I think it's cool that Patty – like her father was a fighter pilot. And that feels like a much deeper connection to that source material. And I think she said uh, he passed – she said in a quote on StarWars.com, he passed away in service to this country, which as a fighter pilot, I would assume it's something to do with flying, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. I could be wrong about that, but that's just kind of what I took away from the quote. But I feel like that emotional connection is so much different than just – seeking inspiration the way that George Lucas did as far as how the shots were framed and uh, the trench run and and edited and everything like that. So that makes me really excited because I know that she has a very personal connection to this kind of story that I can't wait to see how it's interpreted on screen within the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I think it's cool because from the way the quote sounds is she says, When the perfect story arrived in combination with another true love of mine, the incomparable world of Star Wars, I knew I'd finally found my next film. So to me, it kind of sounds like she didn't write it or I'm like, who wrote this? And her taking on the project that was in development. It's really interesting. Also, it seems like I can't find this here, but seems like it's going to take. Yeah. And it will move the saga into a future era of the galaxy. Like who knows what the era is, if that's post-Tross post uh return of the jedi but like we're already existing in that era so 
I feel like I don't know what <laughs> the what this movie is even gonna um, what time period this movie is going to take up. I also think it's interesting that it's called Rogue Squadron. It's like the the title. I wonder if there'll be some general audience confusion about how it links up with Rogue One because <laughs> it's really similar. <laughs> it's just part of Star Wars's charm at this point, I think. Yeah, I feel like they should just embrace it, and they basically have. I don't think they care about where they're putting, you know, dropping audiences into the story. I mean, most of the people I know who watch The Mandalorian and aren't connected to the Star Wars fandom or the Star Wars, you know, timelines at all are very confused by when the... no idea. Yeah, they have absolutely no (laughs) idea when the show takes place, and it's kind of part of it. It's like you can, if if that doesn't bother you and you're still watching the show great if it bothers you and you look it up then you can figure it out you know i think that's kind of the idea that's part of star wars is that it's like the government is usually always the bad guys Uh and you know if you if you are tracking that then you're gonna be good in most eras of star wars right exactly (laughs) (laughs) Um, what i'm looking forward to you know talking about rogue one and rogue squadron is that we get to see lots of publications misspell rogue as rouge and do you remember all those memes and jokes and stuff about rouge one and like mock-up photoshop makeup ads of all the the rogue one characters and like Maybelline with rouge and blush. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> it was very funny. So I'm very it much looking happens. forward to that. It does I see still that. Happen. I see that typo, you know, weekly, I feel like. Yeah, and sometimes yeah. I do it too. Yeah, it's, you know, it's easy. Autocorrect goes, uh, does its thing, wreaks havoc on all of our best laid tweets. <laughs> also, this movie comes out in 2023 at Christmas, which is a long time from now. And I'm really happy about that <laughs> because I feel like, number one, I can't even imagine what 2023 is going to look like. It feels like a really long time away. But it's not this sh- super short two-year window between movies. I think we saw what happened with the Rush production of The Rise of Skywalker that I am just happy that there's going to be a lot of time to develop this. And clearly the story is already, you know, at least the foundational elements are already there if Patty can respond to it at all. So there's a lot of time to make it perfect for the next Star Wars theatrical debut. And I'm so excited that we actually are going to have a movie theater experience of Star Wars again, because I think that that was a little bit of a concern. I love the movie theater experience. And in 2023, hopefully there's no pandemic and we can go to the movies and watch Star Wars on opening night again. It'll Mm -hmm. be great. I'll be so great. (laughs) I know. <laughs> okay, so the next thing on our list is the untitled Taika Waititi film, which that's pretty much all they said about it. <laughs> but then they showed the logo, which is so fun. It's pink. So cool. It's it. It reminded me instantly of Schoolhouse Rock, the logo of Schoolhouse Rock. If you remember, <laughs> if you any of you are familiar with that. It's pink. It, it's also got – I saw you talking with someone, I think with uh, Scavenger's Horde about the holiday special vibes, the original uh, Star Wars holiday special, like color palettes, very psychedelic, very cartoon, the, the logo for Star Wars. But then also when Kathy was talking about it, behind her was this super kind of psychedelic background going on, like galactic. I have no idea what's coming. <laughs> I know. He can go any direction that he wants with it. I feel like 
you know, he is someone who makes movies that are kind of wacky, but also that deliver major heart. And I think that even with his episode of The Mandalorian, you get a sense of that in terms of his exploration into Star Wars and everything. But with that, you know, painting in the background, I was like, dang, this could get weird and sci-fi and trippy and a place that Star Wars hasn't been, at least in live action, ever before. So I don't know. There's this weird spherical, like, not spherical, I guess. It's just like a diamond shape. Like a prism. Yeah, like a it looks prism so alien. Black hole. Yeah, so cool. So weird. I don't know what that is. Literally no idea. Absolutely no idea. And I'm excited for that. I think that I was a little concerned um, that they didn't bring up Christy Wilson Carnes, who is the writer from 1917. And when they originally announced this project, uh, Christy was attached. And I'm, I'm praying and hoping that she's still attached because even this summer I watched a live stream with her for some, I think the British Film Institute. And she was talking about working with Taika all summer about writing this movie, which is crazy and fun. I loved 1917. If I, It's really no secret in the beginning of the year. I was like, this was my favorite movie of like the Oscar season. I loved it so much. And it has so much heart. And I feel like it's a really interesting combination to get Taika and, you know, the sensibilities of 1917, which is a pretty serious war movie that has a lot of heart, like I said. So it's really interesting to see them together. And I hope that she's still attached because I I, I really wanted her to be attached. And I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And I got a little psycho about it. And I checked and Star Wars is still following her on Twitter. So hopefully that's a good sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They really just, with this one, it, it was just a blink and you miss it kind of announcement. Totally. But you can't blink and miss it because the title was, the logo was so uh, jarring and like a really, whoa, oh my gosh, so right. cool way. I feel like this was the only time during the entire presentation that I was like, wow, this logo is really cool. Yeah. I mean, I think that we'll talk about it later. There's definitely some cases where I, I was more interested in the logo um, than others, but this one was probably my favorite and the one that stood out the most in terms of like, that's super cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I feel the same. I don't think they said if this was going to be in movie theaters or mm. anything like that. No. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was on. <laughs> this is like classic convention mentality, Caitlin, of Worst. you go in, you're inundated with information and you think you're being inundated with a lot of information and on some level you are but you don't get a lot of the details like release dates actors Ugh. writers anything like that you're like okay excited about this project <laughs> you know <laughs> happens all the time all right all right okay <laughs> let's move on okay let's do it caitlin let's why don't you just read the press information like press oh, okay <laughs> Last August, at D23 Expo, Lucasfilm announced the return of Ewan McGregor and the iconic role of Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi for a special event series on Disney+. Officially titled Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series begins 10 years after the dramatic events of Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, where he faced his greatest defeat, the downfall and corruption of his best friend and Jedi apprentice, Anakin Skywalker, turned evil Sith Lord Darth Vader. The series is directed by Deborah Chow, who helmed memorable episodes of the Mandalorian season one. This will truly be a day to remember as it was confirmed that Hayden Christensen will be returning as Darth Vader. 
This will be the rematch of the century, Kennedy said. It was such an incredible journey playing Anakin Skywalker, said Christensen. <laughs> of course, Anakin and Obi-Wan aren't on the greatest of terms when we last saw them. It will be interesting to see what an amazing director like Deborah Chow has in store for us all. I'm excited to work with you and again. It feels good to be back. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's can you so believe? We no. live in a world. We live I mean, in a world. Yes, I can. I can believe it. But I also can't believe it's confirmed, which means that I feel like this is uh, – a series that will f- have Hayden Christensen in it a lot more so than what I thought. I thought it was going to be like, if anything, a small cameo. But the fact that they announced it like this, it's it's not. It's 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 part of the whole series. <laughs> it's a whole thing. We're getting Hayden Christensen back as Anakin Skywalker. Oh my god. Oh my I, god. We live in it. We live in a world with Hayden Christensen coming back as Anakin Skywalker. Twenty twenty has given us one thing. <laughs> In 2005, <laughs> I was always like, no, they can come back. They can do it. They, uh, you know, Hayden Christensen, Ewan McGregor, and Natalie Portman, they're going to make more Star Wars. They're going to do it. It's going to be so interesting. They're going to they're gonna bring it back. This can't be the end. I'm just getting into Star Wars. This can't be it. That's how I felt in 2005. 15 years later, you were proven right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> proven right by so many things with the live action series. Now... <laughs> I'm just like I'm, I'm living living if you, this is your first time listening or if you're a new Sky Talkers listener you actually might not know that Hayden Christensen is my first love <laughs> <laughs> only love first love you know I don't know I love him so much I love Anakin and I'm and I know you do too I'm not saying yeah. there's no, no heart Hayden, Hayden, Hayden's your guy. I, I just can't believe it I mean for years we had to hear about how I don't even want to bring this into this conversation, but I will because for years, you know, the prequels, his acting, the storytelling choices were all so maligned. And it was like a constant defense of the movies that I loved so much that you and I both loved so much. Yeah. And it's easy to forget that because it feels like the Internet has completely turned a new leaf about how much they love the prequels and George Lucas. But man, I've just been reflecting upon it for the past like two days being like, I just actually can't believe that. This is like my dream project that Star Wars would invest in. Um, first off, Deborah Chow directing the whole thing. That is crazy good. I literally dream project with Ewan McGregor returning as Obi-Wan and then Anakin coming back and it's Hayden Christensen, even though he's Darth Vader. It's unreal. The angst is going to be off the charts. This is like fanfic territory of the best fanfic you ever read in your life. Like top tier, high quality, many kudos fanfic. I'm so excited. <laughs> they seem so genuinely excited about it. Ewan McGregor, it's not included here, but he recently came out with a quote that said, the best thing about this project is it brought me back to Hayden. Like, are you kidding? This romance, this friendship, this best friendship, even you reading this that line about, you know, the dramatic events of his the downfall and the corruption of his best friend and Jedi apprentice. Oh my God. And just the the amount of room for synergy between what has transpired in the Clone Wars that was never necessarily addressed in Revenge of the Sith because of the way things work out. There's just a lot there that's possible, like, even if it's a flashback situation, like, do we get Ahsoka? Do we even get that sort of synergy? Do we, like, that sort of acknowledgement? Any sort of validity? It's just unreal. Next level excitement. (laughs) I'm so excited. I'm, like, feeding off of you. Like, I'm so excited for you. (laughs) 
Like no, you're not. You're you, you're so excited yourself. Oh, I'm too. so excited I mean, too. Like I I love Hayden Christensen. I love the the Obi Wan Anakin relationship. But like this is your character. This is like <laughs> this is your person in Star Wars. <laughs> I don't think like I I will share that the, if you are a relatively new listener to Skydockers, like. When Charlotte and I first started the show, we were known as the prequel podcast, as the people who, I guess, like spent more time talking about the prequels than other people did. And that's what we were kind of known as in 2017 um, and like early 2018, I guess, until we became Raylos. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this, this is going back to our, our deep roots as oh Star Wars fans. And it is so exciting what i love is when i it's it's fun because when i think about revenge of the sith and like hayden and ewan coming back i just think about like our early days as friends and star wars fans because they that relationship revenge of the sith is what we were talking the most about all the time and this is when um like you and Charlotte and I both made um, lists of the films that Hayden Christensen and Mark Hamill were both in, and we would like cross it off. That we would go to Blockbuster <laughs> to find these movies in Hollywood Video. <laughs> you always, you and you would always go to Hollywood Video. I'm like, where are we? This is figure had a more extensive collection of movies that were older. <laughs> yeah, we had to go to Hollywood Video for like Mark Hamill's movies. Yes. Um, but Hayden's were mostly in town or at, blo- at your local blockbuster. <laughs> and um, I just remember like watching his films when they came out. And and we still do this, you know. We go and watch the films of the stars of Star Wars because they're in Star Wars, right? And I remember – do you remember making a uh, Jumper movie? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Where is that footage? It was it's on expert it, editing. It really was. It, I don't in guys, camera editing skills. It was in camera editing skills, and so okay, so <laughs> so my parents own preschools, and uh, one summer we were uh, there was like a uh, like a tiny fair at the preschool or something, like a carnival day or something like that, and. Charlotte came and we were there together. And for my birthday or Christmas the year before, I had gotten like a handheld camcorder and that had tapes in it, like physical tapes that you would use. And this was right after Jumper came out. And or maybe it wasn't. I don't even know. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> we we did um like in-camera editing of us jumping from room to room in the preschool like between the different classrooms. And I remember like it was so hard to like get the timing just right for the jump of like, oh, here we are in the kitchen. <laughs> here we are in the cafeteria. <laughs> we nailed it though. We really George did. Lucas I would be proud. I, I, it's at my parents' house. I should find it. Um, I have to find the charger for the camcorder. I think that's actually the, uh, the problem here. But uh, it was actually pretty well done. <laughs> if you find it, please – Please like digitize it and we can yeah. put it all over our social media because it was a good video. It was fun to make sure. What's funny too is that um, our Charlotte and I growing up, our nicknames for each other were our Chuck and Steve, and that is pulled from Hayden Christensen's movie uh, Shattered Glass. Shattered Glass. I wanted to say Awake, but that's the other Hayden Christensen <laughs> movie. And in the Jumper video, the Jumper fan made video, we had our face painted also a funny detail with the nicknames 
Chuck and Steve on our faces. <laughs> the Hayden Christensen. I don't know. It's it's hard to remember what it was like to be a teenager and be so like filled with so many emotions <laughs> and just like head over heels obsessed with something. And I know it's weird to say that because we have a Star Wars podcast. We're head over heels obsessed with Star Wars, of course. But it was like uncritically obsessed <laughs> with everything yeah. uh, Star Wars and all I could think about. And yes, that's true now, too. But I'm also an adult with a job and there, yeah. It's just different. And I just feel like the emotions were so high. I was so obsessed. I couldn't even miss anything. If I was sad, I'd watch some like stupid YouTube video about Star Wars that probably involved Hayden Christensen. And it was it's just all this to say, it's a foundational part of our fandom. And it's unreal that we're at this crossroads right now where we're going to get like basically an extended long movie of melodramatic Obi-Wan Kenobi and no. Anakin Skywalker. no. With Obi-Wan acknowledging the fact that he has to protect Anakin's son. Oh, my God. There's so much there. It's crazy. <laughs> and also, we haven't even talked about the fact that Kathy, Kathy Kennedy, during the presentation, mentioned it'll be a rematch of the century. Meaning, are they going to fight again? What's that even going to look like? Are we really getting... Uh, somehow Obi-Wan and Anakin seeing each other 10 years post Revenge of the Sith? Or is this all a hallucination? Or is it both? Hallucination Hayden is my my hill to die on. Okay. Um I think I think they could meet in real life, but I think that I think Hallucination Hayden. I, I posited this headcanon to Charlotte yesterday when we were talking about this of if we have Hallucination Hayden, why not Hallucination Natalie too? <laughs> <laughs> let's just i told her i was like picture the scene of obi-wan on naboo at padme's grave and he has these hallucination hallucinations of anakin and padme with him at the grave <laughs> the weight that obi-wan kenobi must feel 10 years post revenge of the sith where he is keeping watch over anakin and padme's son and like all of the the, the mistakes that he has made in his life contracting upon him and like what that must be like and that's what the i that's what i personally think the hallucination would be is like he literally can't get rid of anakin because yeah or he keeps replaying this battle over and over and over again in his brain because it's the only way that he can either it's like it's he's being attacked in his dreams it's like a hallucination or and like he is just replaying that hoping that it ends differently like in this in this occasion does does Obi-Wan kill Anakin or does he, you know, take him out of his misery? Does he die? And does Obi-Wan die instead? Does he let Anakin go? I think that he thinks about all these different things. Also, like, I don't want to rule out the possibility that it's not just a hallucination just because, you know, with I was talking with Caitlin yesterday about this, where if there is a rematch, which I think is kind of an odd thing, but I'm here to accept it. Because I feel like the way they could do it would be really like mind bending and it would be crazy if they really did fight again and what that would mean for their conversation on the Death Star and A New Hope. But I will say, and I'm sure people are going to comment, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm anticipating it, but what in film and in television, have we really seen that really proves that Anakin cannot breathe with without his mask? 
unhelmeted Darth Vader. I'm just saying, because I think that there's a lot of like purpose that goes into the helmet. I think number one, Palpatine was like, here's this oppressive suit to show how menacing and evil you are, but also to cover your burned scars, your burned face. And then Anakin could think like, well, here's a way for me to hide because I was the most famous Jedi in the galaxy. So if, if that if he thinks this is an, it's an advantage for him, then great. But it's also a prison that he is imprisoned in, right? This this suit and everything. But I mean, if you think about all the things that we've seen in in the films, I think that when Anakin was dying at, in Return of the Jedi, I mean, who's to say that he can't actually breathe without them? I don't know. I guess Luke says, but you'll die. And he says nothing can stop yeah. that now. I don't know. I, I, I mean, is there another way? That's when he's much older too. So yeah, who knows? I don't know. I think there's so much to consider about the different routes that this could take. Um, because the thing is, if we see Hallucination Hayden, then he could very well be that version that we see in Revenge of the Sith because that's how Obi-Wan remembers him. Mm-hmm. And I think there's – it's so cool to think about everything that Deborah Chow is now taking in about the character of Obi-Wan, given everything that's happened with him. Like you think about twin sons um, and it, and even Ahsoka and like the end of Clone Wars with like, has, has Vader already met Obi-Wan? Like if they're going to rematch, has Vader already met Obi-Wan before or after he finds Ahsoka's lightsabers? You know, like, is he bringing that baggage into it, too? I mean, I swear to God, if we hear Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor talk about Ahsoka. That's what I'm saying. If they even one iota mention the name Ahsoka, I feel like that's a game changer. It's a, it's just, it's crazy. I, I mean, I think that as fans, we really have accepted that, you know, George didn't come up with Ahsoka until after Revenge of the Sith was completed and done. And it was like, okay, that makes a lot of things like the Revenge of the Sith novelization, like not necessarily canon because it doesn't include Ahsoka because Ahsoka was a crucial part of why Anakin fell, even if it wasn't an active presence, you know? And I think that we think about that all the time. And like, that's how we think about the character because that's the information that we're presented with. But at the same time, it's like if at this point, you know, I think that we've suspended our disbelief and that like Ahsoka is not in the prequel trilogy. She's just not. But if if they mention her, it's like, oh, my God, like it was just an unspoken thing. You know, they, they just never really talked about it before because it was so painful for Anakin to even talk about. Yeah. <sighs> so crazy. I think that the other thing that I've been thinking about recently is that we don't I don't I don't know personally if we know that Obi-Wan knows that Anakin became Vader. Oh, huh. you know, I think in A New Hope, he knows, obviously. But there's nothing to say that during that because I don't think it's ever been clarified or at least I'm just being really stupid here of just how public facing Vader is. And so I wonder if like Ahsoka, he is just choosing not to believe that that is what happened. Maybe he thinks that he really did kill Anakin at the end of that. And this series is when he actually finds out that that's not true at all and that this brings a whole new level to his protection of Luke because Anakin is actually alive. I think you're so right. I think that's probably going to be a major conflict 
I, and a major piece of understanding is that maybe in the beginning of the series, he has visions of Anakin burning and believing that he killed Anakin, his best friend, and didn't even realize that the evil that would yeah, continue. It kind of makes you wonder what kind of – we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, actually, in our Twin Sons episode about the Chosen One and how it's this fluctuation between Anakin and Luke – and who and and it's interesting thinking about a whole show from Obi-Wan's perspective, um, whether or not he knows that Anakin actually is alive as Vader or finds that out in the series of him growing up believing that it was Anakin. Has he now come to believe that it's actually Luke? Has he lost that belief entirely? And, you know, in that episode, we talked about Luke being the chosen one because Luke is the one who is able to love Vader in a way that Ahsoka and Obi-Wan weren't. And so it makes me wonder what kind of angst and anger we'll see from Obi-Wan in this series because Obi-Wan is defined as like this perfect Jedi in a lot of ways. And we don't – that anger is not something that we see often from him. Like Revenge of the Sith is the most intense anger, but it's, it's really sadness and you see that especially at the end when he's, you know, crying, you're my brother, I loved you, um, doing what he felt he has to do and abiding by the order's rules and everything. I just – I'm so excited <laughs> for it, especially thinking about the conversations that Obi-Wan and Ahsoka had in uh, the last season of Clone Wars of the even the whole scene where Obi-Wan is telling Ahsoka that the council has asked Anakin to spy on the Chancellor. And Ahsoka is like, well, Anakin probably is really not okay with that. And everyone's like, yeah, I know. But it's what the council has asked him to do. And what kind of regrets does he have now of listening to the council? Like this thing that I thought was supposed to solve all the problems, like created the biggest problems and made me the linchpin for all of it. There's so much there. Also, the the question of why do Owen and Baru and Luke consider Ben, Obi-Wan Kenobi, to be crazy old Ben? What's the crazy aspect? I mean, I think this goes back to you talking about the hallucinations and like maybe Anakin's a hallucination, but like in which way? And is it like frontward facing that, you know, what sort of conflict happens that Luke thinks that, you know, old Ben is just a crazy old guy who lives out on the Dune Sea? Yeah, I don't know. I just I'm so excited for this. I I wish they, they showed something. <laughs> I when they cut when because I think at this point we had seen the Cassian sizzle reel and they actually showed us the Cassian sizzle reel and then they yeah. talked about Kenobi they announced Hayden we're all losing our mind and then they just cut to that timer which means you're not seeing what's being shown to everyone else and I was like what? <laughs> Disney <laughs> this, is, this is not fair at I all know. And I just, I wonder, I wonder. Maybe someday we'll see it soon. I hope <laughs> The behind so. the scenes content of this this show is just going to be the best ever. I, I have a feeling. I know it. I can't wait. You remember. And I just, I think about Hayden and Ewan directed by Deborah Chow and I lose my mind. Yeah, me too. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little. The angst in Deborah Chow's episodes of Mandalorian were so good. And she talked a lot in that episode in her behind the scenes features and stuff about directing action and that being something she was really interested in and that she loved to do. 
And but then we all like she talked a lot about mask acting too and how difficult and important it is and the level of detail that goes into that. And um, if we are seeing a lot of actual Darth Vader, um, then that's going to be so cool. And I just – oh, my God. You remember the whole behind-the-scenes feature of Hayden coming onto set in the Vader costume for the first time and everyone is, like, freaking out, but they're all just, like, stone-cold quiet. And it's this whole thing. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, and James Earl – are we getting James Earl Jones back too? I don't know. Um, it's so crazy. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the possibilities are just endless and it's all so exciting. I just really can't believe it's happening. I Why? really – did yeah. we not see a date? And why did we not see – oh, wait. They're starting – didn't they say they're that's starting filming next – In March. In March? Yeah. I was going to say third quarter of next year, but that sounds right too. I don't know. Sometime next year. So maybe in 2022 we'll see it. I Oh, yeah. Because yesterday I said I bet it'll be like February 2023, 2022. Yeah, I think so too. And you were saying that it was going to occupy the same – Basically the same release schedule that the Clone Wars did this year, which is yeah. a spring release ending in May. If it ends on May the 4th with the showdown, that's some good marketing there. I'll just put that out into the internet. We're not ready. We're, not We're just ready. not ready. We're not. We're not at all. Okay, moving on, even though I don't want to because I could just talk about that forever, you know? So we got an announcement for two shows that are in conjunction with The Mandalorian. And the way Kathy approached this, I'll just read the press release because I feel like the wording is interesting. After making her long-awaited live-action debut in The Mandalorian, Ahsoka Tano's story written by Dave Filoni will continue in a limited series starring Rosario Dawson and an executive produced by Dave Filoni and Jon Favreau. Then, set within the timeline of The Mandalorian, Rangers of the New Republic is a new live-action series from the executive producers John Favreau and Dave Filoni and will intersect with future stories and culminate into a climactic story event. So the interesting thing here is that both of these things were re- announced at the same time, and they were announced as offshoots from The Mandalorian and like set within the time period of The Mandalorian, which is interesting to me that they're making basically like a mini-universe for their major success the Mandalorian. And then we had two episodes in this season that, you know, pretty he- heavily featured New Republic fighters, which we talked about a lot. And I guess that that was also a sort of um, wink wink to where this series will go. And the whole thing is just really interesting that they're basically creating this like a cinematic television universe from The Mandalorian specifically, like a mini universe within, within like the Star Wars timeline. I, I mean, it it's safe to say who knows what this is going to be like i'm interested in this climactic story event whatever that means but it's it's really interesting i think the logo for ahsoka is like crazy cool like i can't believe it 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 looks like the world between worlds behind the logo so if that's like a super trippy experience about traveling through the world between worlds and ahsoka like exploring what that was or if this is somehow a continuation of rebels Obviously, we talked about all of the baggage that kind of came with the Ahsoka live action appearance in the episode The Jedi and the Mandalorian. So I think some of that is still like being brought into this announcement for live action. But overall, I'm still I'm still looking forward to the kind of trippiness that is going to be presented in Ahsoka in mm-hmm. the story. I 
we had so many questions about if this is her still looking for Ezra. Is it something different? Like, what's going on? Um, and if it is her still looking for Ezra, I think there's a lot of room for Ezra and Sabine to make appearances too. And I think that that would be so cool if that happened. And or or if we've already passed that story. And something else has happened, which leads to Ahsoka looking for Thrawn again. You know, who knows? I just know that I love Ezra and Sabine so much. And that story, the ending of Rebels is just absolutely perfect, I think. And the the way that felt like a backdoor pilot. <laughs> and it really just makes me wonder what's happening. I think what's what's very interesting is even looking at these two logos, right? Like the Ahsoka logo is so um spacey and mm-hmm. like world between worldsy. And then you have Rangers of the New Republic that is very much like a ranger, <laughs> like yeah. a badge. <laughs> They're so different. But and so you would imagine like in my head, I'm looking at the Ahsoka logo and I'm thinking immediately weird force stuff. She mm-hmm. is going to be doing lots of weird you know, this is after she's been pulled out of the world between worlds, obviously. And she is she going back in? Is she finding out new things about the Force? What other Force users is she coming in contact with throughout the galaxy? Surely not just ex-Jedi or people who have the Force. I think that the Ahsoka story could be a really cool way to explore other Force users. And I can definitely see Dave trying to do something like that because we've seen him like talk a lot about that about how you know it's not just the jedi who use the force and you know if we <laughs> if we ever see that scene of ahsoka and the bendu <laughs> oh my god that right? would be can cool you imagine a live action bendu no it would look amazing and i would yeah. hope that it was sort of puppety too Oh my god, it'd be so cool. There's this great in Rebels, there's this creature called the Bendu, if you're not familiar. And the Bendu is this giant um he looks like a like a buffalo. Yeah. Mixed with moose. Yeah, yeah, like a buffalo moose. And he he describes himself as neither light side nor dark side. And his allegiances, his alliances, his morality is anything and nothing at the same time i am obsessed with the bendo anyone who listened to our rebels recaps is like my god please shut up um <laughs> but after he after that series finished or at some time during it dave put out this drawing of ahsoka and bendu and like the bendu kind of had this way of talking that was almost like a very sage mad hatter from alice in wonderland and like a little bit cryptic but also tell me more And uh, he put out this drawing of the two of them and this little snippet of dialogue that he said he had thought about before, but it never came to pass. And like Ahsoka and Bendu never met in the show. So I would love to see it. (laughs) (laughs) That drawing was my phone background for a very long time, actually. It's it's a great – it's a lovely drawing from Dave Bring it back and summon those – those Bendu vibes. Yeah, we need them because I think that would be really cool. I'm also, I mean, I just want to take a second to talk about how like these shows are in conjunction with each other with the Mandalorian. They'll end in some like format of something really special. I mean, I think that I'm so intrigued by this. I, I think 
I think that it's really cool that, you know, they could use this opportunity for how to having like three shows kind of form a, like a major connection that works towards one final, like, I don't know, movie or long form television episode. I don't know. It's really interesting. What are your thoughts? I think it's very interesting. I wasn't sure when they first said it. I assumed that it was just a, a crossover event with Ahsoka and Rangers of the New Republic. But it could be all three of them. But my first read was that it was just those two and that it's taking place in the time of the Mandalorian. But anyway, but I, I'm very interested in this in this climactic story event of both of these together. I, you know, in college, I used to be a big fan of the DC shows on CW, like Arrow and Flash. Um, and I remember when they started doing backdoor pilots for expanding that universe initially and started doing these crossover events. And they were these season finale, mid-season crossover events between Arrow and Flash. At the time, it was just those two shows. And they were really cool. It was really fun to see these characters interact, to see them in each other's setting, to see them be freaked out about each other's powers. <laughs> um, and I I thought it was really fun. Um that the DC universe, like TV universe, spun out in many, many different ways. And some of the crossover events got um, – it kind of lost its charm <laughs> as the years went on. But a lot of those shows did anyway. And this isn't to bash DC shows because uh, I followed a lot of them pretty closely for a number of years. But initially, in the beginning, those crossover episodes were so well-received and they were so fun. And it makes me really excited to see something like that in Star Wars 2. And I think this goes back to our conversation, you know, throughout The Mandalorian of the value of cameos, the value of connecting to characters we already know when is uh, like, what's that scale of value to fan service? Um, at the expense of creating new characters. I think that's like the whole conversation that is going to continue throughout Star Wars for the rest of time. And you said in that episode when we talked about about, I just like seeing characters that I know and it's fun. (laughs) And to see them connect with other characters that I like and know is also fun. And so I think there's that piece of it here. And it will be cool. I don't know if we'll have the same... Uh, New Republic fighters like we saw I can't remember his name right now but the actor from Kim's Convenience in as one of the New Republic fighters so I wonder if he's going to be a part of it too but presumably we'll have a lot of new characters with Rangers of the New Republic and so them getting to interact with Ahsoka it also makes me think of sorry I'm monologuing here for a second but that whole conversation about may the force be with you and the New Republic fighter saying that and uh, Din saying it back to them, but not really understanding its meaning. And then in the next episode, when we have Ahsoka say it, he doesn't say it back to her because he knows what it means for someone like Ahsoka who uses the Force and actually understands it. And I think those things coming into contact with each other of Ahsoka and the New Republic and how things have shifted their understanding of the Jedi and the Force mixed with her reality and her trauma and baggage of living through Order 66. I don't know. I think it could be really interesting. Yeah, I also think it brings in a political element that I think has been missing from the sequel trilogy era. And I do consider The Mandalorian part of the sequel trilogy era as it's part – it's like post-Return of the Jedi. And we're existing in a new Republic time. So what does that mean? I'm not a huge fan of the term ranger. I don't really like 
like a buddy cop uh, idea. I'm not super interested in that. And, but regardless, I think that there could be a chance to explore the beginnings of the new Republic. And I think we've even in the latest episode of the Mandalorian, which Caitlin and I will talk about tomorrow, (laughs) we um, see a lot of discussion about uh, the, the new Republic and how, um, it's kind of failing or it's fledgling, right? And so is the empire at this point. It's hanging on. So like, what are those, uh, what's that conflict like? And what are those opposing forces doing? I think we're only getting glimpses at it in The Mandalorian, but maybe it'll take center stage here. Maybe we'll see characters like Leia. I don't know. There's a lot of possibilities in terms of like what could be in there. It's like, if we think about Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka as polar opposites, Maybe it's like Ahsoka's the Forcey show. Rangers of the New Republic could be like the political show. And then the Mandalorian is like the bounty hunter, like scoundrel show with like dad, you know, dad did. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's just interesting to consider how all these things will work together. And um, I'm wondering what they all have to do with each other to the point where I'm like, okay, so this climactic event what will it end with? I, I actually have no idea. And I'm intrigued by the whole concept. Din dad. Din dad. Din dad. Dad din. Father din. <laughs> you can't discount the fact that John Favreau basically created the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And in a way, this sort of feels like, just like you said with the DC stuff, this feels like a baby, smaller scale version of like, a universe within a universe so like (laughs) a trilogy of um of series and how they all work together somehow it's it's really cool it's a cool concept and clearly they're excited about it because they basically led with this announcement so yeah i'm excited to see what they have to say yeah i think we'll see um kind of a reversal of roles of john and dave and maybe maybe it's like dave takes the helm on ahsoka and john takes the helm on rangers I don't know. But you know how with Mandalorian, John is the primary writer and Dave is executive producer and partner co-conspirator. I feel like that'll be switched at least for Ahsoka. And yeah. he'll be the lead writer and day-to-day for like the the person in charge. And then John will be the co-conspirator. <laughs> yeah, I that. that's so true. I hope that with Ahsoka, like we saw with The Mandalorian, that we are seeing – a lot more diversity with the director for all of these shows. And I think that we saw a lot more diverse people in the in the director's chair and the writer's chair in this Star Wars lineup than we definitely have in the past. Mm. Um, so I'm really thankful for that. And with these TV shows, there is, like we've seen with The Mandalorian, great opportunity to bring in more diverse voices. And so I really hope that Dave and John – do more of that moving forward in addition to all of our other projects that are going on. But this is something that has been both a really great asset to the Mandalorian and also a place for improvement too at the same time. Okay. So next up is Lando. I feel like we've heard a little bit about this from the rumor mill about whether or not Donald and Billy D. Williams would return. And it sounds, from the press announcement, it sounds like the concept of the show Lando is still very much in the developmental writing phase. And, you know, I think they signed some contracts, but I don't think that it's super concrete at all. And we didn't get to see the point of view of um, apparently 
the showrunner, the creator, uh, Justin Simeon, which I'm really excited about, by the way, put together a reel, but it was for the investors and not for the general public. Um, so I know it's fine. <laughs> Someday we'll see it and we'll get to, we'll get the sense of it. But I actually have no idea if Lando's live action or animation or if they even decided that yet. Um, what if it's I feel an like audio I- drama? Like the Calrissian Chronicles. I mean, I, I still want that. And I'm actually surprised it's not called the Calrissian Chronicles. They're really running with Lando. No. They made the logo and everything. Anyway, here's the press announcement. Everyone's favorite scoundrel, Lando Calrissian, will return in a brand new event series for Disney+. Plus. Justin Simeon, creator of the critically acclaimed Dear White People and a huge Star Wars fan, is developing the story. That's it. That's, That's all it. she wrote. <laughs> and I think it's great because I was doing some digging about Justin today. I have not seen Dear White People, but he did this great interview with the Star Wars show this summer that basically talked about his experience as a Star Wars fan and what it was like as a black queer kid, even trying to find his place in the film world and like trying to see himself in in the pages and the films that he loved and um and how much he responded to Star Wars and I just think his eye is great. Even just talking, watching that interview, I feel like you could really get a sense of his sensibilities and what he wanted to bring into his show. It was an interview for Dear White People and Andy Gutierrez did the interview. It was really great. I highly recommend it. It's like a 10 minute long interview. And I'm just really excited to see what he brings to the the Star Wars universe. I mean, I think we're sorely in need of a creator like this and I'm thrilled. And I'm also just I really do hope that kind of both him and both uh, Donald and Billy D. Williams return just because I think it would be fun to see them both play off of each other. Like if it was if it was older Lando recounting his old adventures um, yeah. when he was younger. I mean, that's so cool. And it would be so fun to frame it as such that uh, we could you never know who you were going to see. Like you could see Kira. Like how cool would that be? It'd be so cool. It makes me think about um you know, thinking about the tone that I think this show could have very much like the book Last Shot, I think would be so fun. And then you almost have it – like if it is live action, right? If it's like this live action episodic series and you have almost like the Wonder Years, this like voiceover from Billy D. Williams being yes. like, oh, yeah, this thing that happened when I was a kid or when I was a scoundrel and I was just going to pick up another cape and then all hell broke loose. And then you just have this – you know, a 30 minute episode of of Lando getting into trouble and um, messing with breaking people's hearts and stuff like that all over the place. Oh, my God. I love it. I love the Wonder Years. It would be uh, so fun. <laughs> like that sort of comparison would be so fun. And it would just be like, what crazy hijinks will he get into this time? And you'd see the Falcon all spiffy again. I mean, there's a lot of chances for like characters that are so beloved and solo to come back in in a way that is like a satisfying story um that could like lead into solo somehow i I, that would be really interesting i'd love that because clearly lando and kira know each other what was that history like (laughs) be great to see there's so many questions for lando and this is something we talked a lot about with the film solo of just it really lends itself to a series and um to see one of its characters especially as beloved as Lando, which Donald Glover did such a fantastic job playing Lando. And um, yeah, it, it's it's going to, I'm very excited. Yeah. I'd be sad if Donald Glover didn't come back. 
I'm sad that they didn't announce him because it makes me wary and a little scared that he didn't sign on again because he was so good at Lando. And I just like, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little worried. <laughs> I'm a little worried too. I'm choosing to believe that the that the ink is just not dry on the contract. Okay. So they can't legally say anything yet, but it's, you know, just a couple more I's dotted and T's crossed. Yeah. I would That's- love like it would be great if uh you know, he Donald Glover came back and like he could have some hand in sort of the artistry behind it and work with Justin somehow. Like Ugh, that, that's so good. <laughs> be so good okay 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 let me see okay so imagine this right okay so what if we have like the show right and mm-hmm. it's the it's a live action tv show maybe it's wonder your style who knows and but then every week instead of you know instead of something like rebels recon which i think we all agree was like peak mm-hmm. extra content for a tv show um aside from the mandalorian now like they live together i think Imagine, right, so you have the episode and then you have a podcast that is hosted by Lando, the Calrissian Chronicles, that goes through what happened in the episodes and adds more of like his internal monologue that goes with it. That is just expert marketing. Right? Wouldn't that be so cool? It would be so good. It would be so cool. Imagine the podcast. A companion podcast that was the Calrissian Chronicles that was part fiction and part non because it was a recap. Oh, my God. Anyway, Lucasfilm, if you're listening, we'd love to produce this. (laughs) Yeah, please let us direct Donald Glover. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. uh, It would almost be like Afra, like the audio drama Dr. Afra. Yeah, which Uh, is like so good because – So good, yeah. What, what's so good about Afra is that you get a little bit of an unreliable unre- narrator, a little yeah. bit, you, an entirely unreliable narrator. And I feel like with Lando, you actually would get something really similar. So it would be interesting to see how that plays up and if Justin even plays into that, if there is a framing narrative. Also, I'm just putting this out there. Wouldn't it be cool if older Lando was telling these stories to... Don't. No. Mm-mm. I'm going to say it. it. Don't do it. Don't young, do it. Younger... No. Child Ben Solo, <laughs> Uncle Wanwo in real life. <laughs> yeah, I said it. All right, moving Sorry. on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, just for new listeners, Caitlin and I want that so bad that Caitlin doesn't want to respond to it because just bringing Ben Solo into the conversation is like so tempting. <laughs> Do you remember when we did our our our? episode on the book last shot right and it's three parts and then we had a bonus part four of that episode unprecedented for sky Dockers, a bonus part four where we just talked about baby ben solo and how cute he was in this book iconic iconic and it was literally just us uh gushing over how cute he was gushing gushing <laughs> and then Daniel Jose Older, the author of the book, started live tweeting as he was listening to our episode about it. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Absolutely filled with dread. He he was going to come across. To bonus part four. (laughs) He's rapidly approaching Approaching bonus bonus part four. And you know what? He stopped tweeting. Yeah. (laughs) So that's that. So maybe maybe he signed off. Mm-hmm. We'll never know. We'll never know. 
it's one of my happy memories. Me too. <laughs> but also, so like embarrassment too. Like, but it was, yeah, I last shot is great. All right, let's move on to the other love of our lives, the love of my <laughs> life, Diego Luna, andor another name name for show. Yeah. <laughs> the name names they're never gonna stop. The name names will never stop. Um. Andor, coming out in 2022. Here's the press release. Andor, a tense, nail-biting spy thriller created by Tony Gilroy, is set to arrive on Disney Plus in 2022. Diego Luna, reprising the role of rebel spy Cassian Andor from Rogue One, will also be joined by a fantastic new cast that includes Stellan Skarsgård, Adria Ajorna, Fiona Shaw, Dennis Gao, Kyle Soler, and Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma. Production kicked off three weeks ago in London. And we did get to see a sizzle reel for this. <laughs> so great. And Diego Luna's an executive producer. I'm just so happy for him. Look I... at him getting that coin and getting that sort of semi-creative control you never really know with an executive producer. And he's just so excited. I'm excited for him. I'm excited for the show. Caitlin, what do you think? I love Diego Luna so freaking much. <laughs> I his, his whole press journey for Rogue One – Oh, my heart. I just – the way that he talks about things is so endearing and so genuine. You really – either he's the best actor in the world or you really <laughs> believe that he has true heart for these stories. And I'm going to choose the latter because it's 2020 and I'm trying to curb at least some of my cynicism. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, – I love the character of Cassian. I – he – you know, when we first saw the trailers for Rogue One – I was like, Cassian is heart of gold. Such a good boy. That was my reaction to the trailers for Rogue One. And then he straight up <laughs> murdered a guy in the first five minutes of Rogue One. And Charlotte in the theater is elbowing me like, you were very, very wrong. Stupid, <laughs> stupid, stupid. That <laughs> was so great. That was just like the – and you were like over there shaking your head like, oh my god, I was so wrong. I was so wrong. Was so wrong. <laughs> but like in the best way. It's a really yeah. interesting character move. So let's see what, what – this if this is the prequel for this, then – We'll see how he gets to that point. I mean, yeah. super cool. I think something that is so fascinating about Cassian as a character that I think only came out in the the visual dictionary for Rogue One is that his family were separatists. And uh, I think that that is such a fascinating detail that I, I can't – did they say how far from A New Hope or from Rogue One that this takes place? Um. Yes, they did. And I think it's five years before, which puts it in Rebels time period. That's what I was going to say is five years. That was what was in my head. But I just – I think it's – I think it's so – that morality background is so fascinating. Um, this is where we bring up the episode heroes on both sides <laughs> from the Clone Wars and Lux Bonteri. You love to hear his name here on Sky Talkers. <laughs> but I, I just – I'm really – it's we don't have a lot of characters that were identified as separatists that we spend a ton of time with in Star Wars from the second trilogy, the prequel trilogy era. And I hope that we get to explore some more of that with Cassian because I think that is such a cool part of his character. We've seen this 
kind of switching allegiances um, in a couple different places throughout Star Wars. And especially in Resistance, they t- in the TV show Resistance, they this was such a great kind of undercurrent of the conversations in that show between characters of people who had served the Empire and no longer serve the Empire living amongst people who serve the Rebellion, who no longer serve the Rebellion either. And the conversations that they had there were so great. And I think being able to have someone who represents uh, the sequel or the the prequel trilogy era as a separatist coming from a separatist background, I think is is really great. And I'm very excited to I, I know that won't be the focus of the show, but I think it will come into his perspective on the world. Yeah. I think it's interesting that and something that I think is really great is and and it's something that Caitlin and I have talked about a lot is it seems like the show Andor is going to be a genre film when it comes to a spy thriller, Seriously. which is so cool because we have, you know, I think that when Disney bought Lucasfilm, there was all this talk about exploring new movies in different genres and how they would explore different genres and like specific hard genre is like I remember the conversations about Rogue One being a hardcore war movie and that significantly changed in the rewrite rewrite process to make it more Star Warsian and now it seems like some of these shows with this like wide canvas of different genres this one to me feels like this is the first one that I saw that I was like okay this is going to be a spy movie because Kathy even specifically mentioned that Tony Gilroy is really good at spy thrillers and things like that and I'm I'm really excited about it I know that Tony has had kind of a storied past with his relationship to Star Wars so and I know this this production itself has been troubled with a lot of different writers and directors exiting and coming and everything like that but I think that it's still obviously worth being made and I'm really excited to see how it goes especially if they really lean into this genre aspect. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to continue. I think it's going to continue that grittiness of Rogue mm-hmm. One, but yeah. I think what's interesting is if we think about Cassian's character, if he is more <laughs> I'm going to bring it back. If he is more heart of gold here, but he progressively gets more cynical as the yeah. series goes on to what we end up seeing in Rogue One itself. Yeah, which it's it's interesting because his arc in Rogue One is starting as someone who's, you know, rougher on the edges to someone who's willing to lay down the rules of the rebellion to save the the galaxy, right? <laughs> and I think that it'll be interesting. So that's that arc, and then it'll be interesting that like per- potential role reversal of like a reverse arc to go from someone who you know, is happy, cheery, or was scarred by something. Because, I mean, he says, I've been in this fight since I was six years old, you know? So does he start out scarred and then continue? And I'm a little concerned. For some reason, I remember in the Visual Dictionary uh, them mentioning, I don't even know if this is in the Visual Dictionary, but Cassian having a sister. And if Cassian has a sister and, like, his sister dies, that hardens him. And I don't know if I want to see that. It's just another situation, you know. Or what happens? Does she join the Empire? Where does she go? And that sort of turmoil, that angst. And, I mean, who knows if this is going to be a 
like a multi-series series, like multi-season series, or if it's a short series, it's it's interesting when you consider this whole the breadth of um, content that we've were being that was announced yesterday. Um, how much how much of it is long form, like several se- seasons, or is it just a, essentially a long movie? Um, I don't know. I'm like astounded at the production level <laughs> and the amount of people that it takes to make this many shows. <sighs> I, I don't mean, know. I can't wait. I'm Me so too. excited for Andor. I like I said, I just I adore Diego Luna and uh yeah. <laughs> I'm very much looking forward to it. The very first thing I saw Diego Luna in was in Dirty Dancing 2, Havana Nights. Oh my God. Yes. Classic. It's iconic. It's, it's everything <laughs> that I mean he's that, such a cutie. So. He's such a cutie. He just yeah. he really is. Let's go next to Oh my God. I'm so excited for this. <laughs> the Acolytes. Uh, oh. And here's the, yeah, Charlotte. That's it. We're done. <laughs> the name is so good. It's so good. It's not a name name. I know. So uh, here, here's the press release. Leslie Headland, Emmy Award nominated creator of the mind bending series Russian Doll, brings a new Star Wars series to Disney Plus with The Acolyte. The Acolyte is a mystery thriller that will take the audience into a galaxy of shadowy secrets and emerging dark side powers in the final days of the High Republic era. You. Guys, so awesome. I, oh my god, shadowy secrets, emerging dark side powers, final days, high republic era. This is gonna be some dark ish. I cannot wait. When this was announced or like rumored to be announced by the Hollywood Reporter, I think they described this series as like a female led series. So, like, I, I you, that jargon aside, that really excites me. And I love Russian Doll. It is such a good series. And yes, in this press release, when they say it's mind bending, they mean it. It's mind bending. It's funny. It's a thriller. It's like a, a murdery thriller. It is great. And to see any of that sort of energy that could possibly be bottled from Russian Doll to be put into this series that is filled with dark side powers, the High Republic, like a whole time period that we're still only beginning to explore starting next year. I don't know. This is like, to me, probably the most exciting part of the announcements. I mean, it's hard to say because a lot of this is really exciting, but I'm so excited for Leslie's series. I love her. Whenever she talks about Star Wars, it's great. We have like a nice little Instagram DM going right now where we talk about HBO shows. We were talking about the undoing together. You know, (laughs) that's nice. (laughs) Just throwing that out there. And to throw out our podcast too. Yeah. Maybe someday. Who knows? You know? <laughs> it's not um that I mentioned that just because it was it's obviously like not a big deal. And we're just like, oh, ooh, excited for tonight's episode. That's it. But I feel like it was like two it, DMs. Yeah, two literally two. You were like, you responded to her story and she responded back, was like, yeah. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> that's it. was like, I have a DM thread going with Leslie. We're talking. Right. We're talking. <laughs> we're, we're we're in talks. All right. Well, I just embarrassed myself because I'm a fangirl and I'm so excited for it. That's it's gonna okay. be so good. It was when you show. I I think it's very cool. I don't have <laughs> even a, a boring DM thread going with Leslie Headland, so uh, it's fine. But yeah, I am. I'm so excited about this. I'm. I'm really looking forward, like I said, to the visuals of it, to the overall look of it. I think, you know, immediately I was like, 
Jedi Temple, what's underneath? A Sith Temple. Oh, my God. A Sith Temple. A Sith Temple. So cool. (laughs) And I think I just – it's so exciting to think about going back to something that more closely and even – is probably even more over the top visually of the prequel era and the whole aesthetic and look of the prequel era, which is meant to be such a stark contrast to the original trilogy, right? And Mm -hmm. um, it's not something we've ever really gone back to from a TV show, aside aside from the Clone Wars, obviously, but in live action, uh, we haven't really explored that um, since since 2005. So I think that how it looks is going to be so cool. And thinking about the final days of the High Republic era, who are our characters? What are their morals? What are their sides? Are they falling to the dark side? Are they falling away from the dark side? Who is being corrupted? Temptation abounds. I just, yes, th- this is this is for me. <laughs> this Sign is mine. I, cl- I claim this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I'm very it's going to be so good. I know it is. Yeah. It's wow. 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 And just keep up your little DM with Leslie. Uh, <laughs> I just noticed she liked one of my comments on her on her posts about nice. I said congratulations on the, on the accolade and she liked it. So we're friends. Yeah. Does she follow you? <laughs> no. Caitlin, no. <laughs> we're not that close. <laughs> See, we're, what we're doing, what we're doing, this is all um, part of the plan, listeners, mm-hmm. dear listeners. We are just the, – the bad part is that I'm never on Instagram and my Instagram is on private, so um, I can't really contribute to this right now. But uh, we're just, you know, getting to the point where she, like, recognizes your username, you know? Like, yes. oh, I I know – Oh, I, I've seen her username before. Oh, let me – you know, I'm, I'm bored. I'm just going to click on her profile. Oh, a, po- a Star Wars podcast? That's crazy. What? I've been on podcasts before. <laughs> yeah. She can think about that. I also listened to an interview with her recently. It was a really good long-form interview. She talked about her relationship to Star Wars, how excited she was to be doing this series and how this was a dream come true for her because she loved the prequels and all the Legends books growing up. And how much she loves Star Wars commentary YouTube. And she specifically shouted out our friends, Star Wars Explained, Alex and Molly. And I was so happy to hear that because I Star Wars Explained is genuinely great. And Alex and Molly do great work. And the fact that she talked about, she was like, I love the, his, his uh, monthly canon updates and I was like, this is awesome. It's so great. We have a creator from Star Wars keeping up with monthly canon updates. What the heck? That is so cool. From people and- we're friends with, too. Yes. It's so yes. great. I when yeah. I heard that, I was like, oh my God, Alex and Molly. I know. I'm just like, I think it's I think there's a double edged sword, obviously, to creators being too close to Star Wars fandom and everything and she talked about that too in the interview but she did mention that she has a soft spot for like finding out about the newest comics and everything and keeping caught up because she doesn't really have time to catch up and same like I don't have time to catch up on everything so it it was relatable in that aspect and I love Alex and Molly's uh, canon updates every month too so I was like wow can't wait Leslie Headland for your series because you'll get to watch a Star Wars Explained on that too. And that'll be full circle. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so great. The <laughs> yeah. thing about Star Wars Explained too is in those kinds of videos, it really is this 
uh, refresher and update on what is happening. You know, mm-hmm. it's not, I'm sure Leslie probably would never listen to our show mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're just like mass speculation and Star Wars Explained does do speculation and stuff like that too. Um, but, you know, it it is a lot of facts and uh, here's the canon timeline and stuff like that and kind of going through everything clearly and succinctly in a way that is sometimes hard to do. And they yeah. do such great work. Yeah. Regardless, I'm so excited for her series. I'm excited for a series that sounds like it'll be focused on the dark side, like you mentioned, and everything that that deals with. I mean, you even mentioning the fact that the Jedi Temple on Coruscant was built on top of a Sith Temple. I mean, I, that detail is the coolest thing ever. And Probably one that she knows because she watched Alex and Molly's canon updates. (laughs) And I think, you know, there's just so much possibility there. And the time of the end of the High Republic, that like inevitability of that all, like that's cool too. It's you and I love that kind of stuff. So it's all great. It'll be so good. Jedi temple, Sith temple on top of each other. Let's see it. (laughs) Yes. All right, our next show that we have, which this is basically our old friend at this point in the lineup, is Star Wars The Bad Batch, which is all about Clone Force 99, the experimental clones that we saw in the Clone Wars and saw heavily featured in Season 7 of the Clone Wars this year. And the press release says... um, It follows the clones of the Bad Batch as they find their way in a rapidly changing galaxy in the immediate aftermath of the Clone War. Uh, Members of Bad Batch, a unique squad of clones, each possess a singular exceptional skill which makes them extraordinarily effective soldiers and a formidable crew. In the post-Clone War era, they will take on daring mercenary missions as they struggle to stay afloat and find new purpose. The animated series will arrive exclusively on Disney+. And we did get a sizzle reel for the Bad Batch. And it was awesome. It was awesome. This, this, I'm excited for Bad Batch. I'm like, I know I'm going to love it when it comes out. But right now I'm still like, okay. Yeah, I know. I feel the same way. I do think that the animation is like beautiful. So crisp. It's, it's crisp. It looks like season seven of Clone Wars. Yeah. It, I'm, I loved the Bad Batch um, arc, and I was so surprised by that. Mm-hmm. And I love these characters, and I think we everyone has, like, a favorite member of the Bad Batch now, and I actually think that's really fun. Yeah. And also something that's really cool is that in the SZA reel, we saw Fennec Shand. At least I think we saw yeah, Fennec. Yeah, someone who really looks like Fennec. If it's not Fennec, then what the heck? But yeah. that sort of connectivity is super cool. And even in the latest episode of The Mandalorian, it seems like she has some history with how the the Empire is after her. Mm-hmm. So it, it, does she yeah. join the military missions? Yeah, that's it's so, so cool. true. <gasps> you know, that's so weird. Wow, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it's cool, though, that there's this history there and that they could build that history, that sort of connectivity. I mean... It's so great. That's like kind of the whole vibe of all these announcements is like, do all of them link to one another somehow, like a linking of the arm situation? And I don't know. I think that so many of us are like, oh, Clone Wars season seven, that was perfect TV. Man, I want a continuation of that perfect, beautiful writing and animation that happened in that season. And Star Wars was like, here you go, Bad Batch. It's like an extended version of the first arc in that season. And I think that for a lot of us, we were like, all right, that's great. Uh, Cool. And the thing is, is that 
I got more excited about the series when Caitlin and I watched a live stream this summer about the animation department for Star Wars and Lucasfilm because a lot of the people that are working on The Bad Batch came from working on Star Wars Resistance and it sounded they loved working on Star Wars Resistance and it sounded like people were so excited to work on The Bad Batch and they had so many good things to say about it. I mean, obviously it was this summer, so I don't have like direct quotes in front of me, but the things that they were doing, I think that they were really thrilled about the experimental animation that was happening and the storytelling possibilities. And I think even just going through the sizzle reel, you see, you know, what happens to them after Order 66? Like, do they have an inhibitor chip? All these questions of some of the greatest parts of the Clone Wars being the exploration of the morality of the clones and the creation of the clones. And not no one signifies that more than the Bad Batch, I think, about like what is their place in the world after Order 66. And we even see in the sizzle reel, Palpatine kind of declare the Empire. So the mercenary missions, I mean, do they lose some members of the Bad Batch? What, what happens? Like, there's a lot of possibilities here. Don't say that. I don't know. I mean, I'm over here like, yeah, the Bad Batch is like great. Like, it looks cool. You know, it's not like my top thing. But I'm also like, I, if you hurt any of them. <laughs> the thing the thing that's so funny about the Bad Batch is that when it was announced, Caitlin and I were like, okay, um, great. Excited for Lucasfilm Animation to like be working yeah. and working on something. And we were like, it's going to be great when it comes out. Like, I know it because we love anything that is Star Wars animation. But yeah, it wasn't our like top thing. And it definitely wasn't – it was a surprise in terms of what the backdoor pilot for the Clone Wars Season 7 was. I would not have guessed back Bad Batch. It looks like it's, like, basically finished, too. There was a lot of stuff in this trailer that looked like it was, like, done. <laughs> and they really showed a lot of it. So I, I'm guessing we're getting this quite soon. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Ready to uh, ask the question every week of who's our favorite uh... – member of the bad batch this week bad batch this week (laughs) i'm actually excited for that that's gonna be fun i was texting cheryl and i was like you know what i'm just gonna put this out there like clone romance are we gonna get it you know it would it would be weird if it was with other clones like i'm not super into that (laughs) but the the ethics behind that are just the ethics behind it i'm not like (laughs) i'll just (laughs) that's the line i'm good that's the that's the hill i'm gonna stand on right now but other people Fennec? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I just, you know, I'm I'm going to I'm always going to be here for romance stories in Star Wars and we actually saw in one of the seasons of Clone Wars the clone who had defected and he had like a little family, right? Yeah. That's and, true. You know, and it's and I think it was with a different species too. I could be wrong yes. about that. I yes. Twi'lek actually. Yes. Yes. Wow, that just Deep in my Star Wars brain. <laughs> I, I feel like if I'm shipping Fennec with anyone. Don't say it. Okay, I won't. Who are you shipping Fennec with? <laughs> you can say it. <laughs> I, Who are you I, shipping Fennec with? I, right now, right, n- not knowing really anything about Fennec, uh, what she's interested in, who she's interested in, I, right now, I'm going to, I'm going to ship Fennec and Tech on absolutely nothing. Okay. <laughs> But what about Fennec and Hunter? <laughs> I think that Fennec and Hunter are so similar. They're... Yes, and that's why it'll be a conflict and they will not stay together, but it will be hot. 
<laughs> I think that I think that tech and Fennec are are their opposites, and even though they're both like supreme fighters, tech has this tech that he comes with that is so expertise, and I think he's the person you would least expect to be with someone like Fennec. So that's why I am choosing that. And Fennec's my favorite one right now, so I want him to be happiest. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want all of them to be happy, but uh tech especially right now. Totally. Yeah. I will say that I'm excited for Hunter though, because Hunter came out of the gate as the coolest of the Bad Batch crew, but I kind of felt that he they didn't utilize him as much as they could have in the first in the Bad Batch arc in Clone Wars season seven. He has this really cool power. His mutate his genetic mutation was so cool, and they really kind of only highlighted it in the first episode. And then I don't feel like he de- he did a ton for the rest of the three episodes, where the other members of the Bad Batch really of Clone Force ninety nine really showed. So I am excited to see more of his abilities because I think he did have a really cool one. Totally, yeah, and yeah, you know, cl- clones in love. Clones in love. Clones in love. Let's, I'm going to rename Bad Batch Clones in Love. If they do that, I mean, I think that the, the sizzle was awesome, but it was very much like shoot em up, explosion, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, that show can, this show can be like that. And it's going to be really great. But show me the emotions. That's what I care about. And clones I feel like love. it, yeah, Clones in Love. Clones in Love. Clones in Angst. Clones in clones Angst. In turmoil. Clones. Show it to me. <laughs> <laughs> clones in um arguments clones, clones in distress uh, clone clones on a date clones on a date you never know you never know who you're gonna get in bad batch clones coffee shop au yes you know, who, who am i to say that that can't happen yeah <laughs> just yes absolutely yes <laughs> All right. So now moving on i didn't forget anything major with clones in love did i no all right. All right. Moving on to our next announcement, which I am so excited for this one, Visions, which here's the press release. Do you want to read the press release? I feel like I've read the last sure. few. Sure. Presenting all new creative takes on the galaxy far, far away, Star Wars Visions will be a series of animated short films celebrating Star Wars through the lens of the world's best anime creators. The anthology collection will bring 10 fantastic visions from several of the leading Japanese anime studios, offering a fresh and diverse cultural perspective to Star Wars. Oh my god, I'm so excited for this. Finally. 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 We have talked about high fantasy, high anime Star Wars for so long, and I think it's happening. That That's what this says. It's crazy. This says it's happening. <laughs> It's crazy. And like the possibilities of what sort of shorts we're going to see or I don't know, is it really is it shorts, creative takes, animated short films? I mean, could we get a studio jib like Studio Ghibli? Like could we seriously get something like that? Like that's crazy. I think we could. I'm I'm so looking forward to this, you guys. I you know, I'm not I'm not super familiar with anime. I've only watched like a couple movies and a couple of series. Like, just kind of going all in on something super fantastical. The emotions in anime are always so heightened and so intense and so good. Like, there's such cathartic release in in anime, I often feel, from the ones that I've watched anyway. Um, 
it just it makes me really excited for this and to really see we know that Star Wars has such high influence from Asian countries and to really see them finally um putting that at the forefront in something like this with with Jap- with leading Japanese anime studios I think is incredible and I'm really excited for it. Yeah, just the collaboration aspect of it all. It's so exciting. I also think that, you know, the whole, the all new creative takes on the galaxy far, far away. We have an, a, 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 an opportunity here to view Star Wars stories that we already know through the lens of anime. And I wonder what that's going to look like. Like, are we going to get some of our favorite pairs in anime? Like, yes, I'm talking about Raylo. Are we going to get any sort of Raylo situation in anime like can you imagine caitlin no i mean yes we can because we have very much we have anime style figures of ray and kylo in our homes right now i mean it's so cool can can i imagine it can i imagine it (laughs) can i freaking imagine it (laughs) i mean any sort of star wars that is touched in this style i'm just so excited about like the high fantasy of it all i'm really thrilled yeah, I think it's going to be amazing, and I could not be more excited for Star Wars Visions. I saw even Matt Martin tweet. He was like, you guys aren't ready for this, and I was like, oh, my God. Ah, uh, to be Matt Martin. I know, know, right? <laughs> to get a glimpse. <laughs> just just a mere glimpse of something. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that Matt is a, like an anime fan, too, so I feel like that you know, comes coming from a fan, it means something. I'm so excited. I, I can't remember. They Did they show anything from this? No. I don't think they did. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think so. I, w- I mean, I would kill to see some stills, if anything. Like, one still. Please show and, me. And in a date, too. The thing is, this could be released in 2021, since we know that animation studios, um, a lot of them have had people working from home. So maybe we'll maybe we'll get to see something from this sooner than some other things. Yeah, it's weird to consider that I actually don't think we're going to get like as much as we did this year in 2020. In 2021, I think it's it's a gamble. Like I actually thought that Andor was going to be released at the end of this at end of next year and yeah. to see it plainly written as 2022 is really surprising to me just based off of the timelines. I thought that they'd be able to turn it around just like Mandalorian did because if you think about the timelines, the Mandalorian stopped filming right before the shutdown in March and they were able to come out with this uh, season starting in October so I'm I was surprised because if Andor is filming right now I thought okay so in Q4 of next year is when we'll get the series but it doesn't sound like it so I'm like I'm eager to see what they have planned for Q4 for Star Wars or if if anything at all I mean I don't know. It's 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 so fun to get this list of things, but some of them without um, dates. I'm like, okay, are we going to be waiting five years for this? Are we going to no. wait two years? Like, no. <laughs> what's the deal? You know, don't say that. I know. Maybe 2021. Okay, so moving on to the next thing is a droid story. As Lucasfilm continues to develop new stories, the intersection of animation and visual effects offers new opportunities to explore. Lucasfilm Animation will be teaming up with Lucasfilm's visual effects team, Industrial Light and Magic, to develop a special Star Wars adventure for Disney+, a droid story. This epic journey will introduce us to a new hero guided by the legendary duo R2-D2 and C-3PO. 
That's exciting. I mean, I think the thing that's so intriguing to me about this and perhaps got kind of lost in the scuffle of the exciting announcements about the live action shows is this collaboration and partnership between Lucasfilm Animation and ILM. I think that we saw this happen with the motion capture that was done in season seven of The Clone Wars with Ahsoka versus Maul and that sort of um, mind bending, uh, melding technology that was happening there and a sort of um, advancement and continuation of this partnership that's already in out in house, right? Like ILM and Lucasfilm, I believe, are on the same campus. So to try to like work together in a new project here even if this isn't necessarily the most interesting um, story format for me, I cannot wait to see how this technology is pushed because even just in the past year when studying Lucas, the Lucasfilm animation department, it's like, I want to continue to see them being used and used and used. Like they're, these people there are so talented and I, I, I just think this like partnership is really neat. It's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm very much looking forward. I, you know, for as much as I kind of joke about not liking C-3PO, him and R2-D2 together, that's that's where the money is for me. So true. So I think that – I think this is going to be very fun. I'm here for the snark of it. You know, what what is – what are we going to see here? And I think how it looks is going to be what's so fascinating too. They talked a lot um, – Kathy talked a lot about the volume in her segment and just how important the volume is, especially right now, given COVID precautions and um, the ways that live action filmmaking has had to change in 2020. And I really think that we do not appropriately understand how uh, groundbreaking the volume is in that regard. And Kathy was like, we're building three more. (laughs) (laughs) and you I think she kind of is subtly saying not subtly saying but the implications that a show like The Mandalorian is in a much better position because of something like the volume to continue on even in pandemic um so I I think that and and sorry I kind of lost my train of thought there but the a droid story i feel like th- like when they talk about the volume they talk about it as kind of the marriage between digital filmmaking and also the process of animation that george kind of touted when they were making the clone wars initially and how all of that coming together with someone like john favreau's expertise and his experience in live action filmmaking led to the the groundbreakingness of the volume Um, And so I think that we're almost going to see the reverse of that for a droid story of that process and technology being used in animation rather than being used in a different way in animation than in live action, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think you're so right. Okay, continuing to the other Lucasfilm stories, and I think we're going to just kind of breeze through this really quickly. We love Indiana Jones on this podcast, and Indiana Jones 5 is coming with James Mangold as the director who directed Ford versus Ferrari, and Harrison Ford's coming back, and apparently it's starting to shoot in this spring, upcoming spring, and will arrive in July 2022. I mean, this movie has been pushed back so much. It's been happening for a while. We had Spielberg. We lost Spielberg. We gained him back. We lost him. Now we have James Mangold, and I don't. It's just been a lot of different things, and there's been recognition of uh, Indiana Jones and the Christ- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and like 
apparently even Kathy said that this is going to be the final Indiana Jones movie. And that makes sense to me. But does that mean it's going to be sad? Like, is Indy going to die? I don't know if I want that. I'm mentioning it. (laughs) No, I don't. I don't want to see that. (laughs) Are we going to are we going to see Mutt? Are we going to see Mutt back? I mean, I don't know if I want Shia LaBeouf back, but I do want some acknowledgement of that. Just I know, because of I know. The, the way that it the story goes is like I don't want that to just be disappear. forgotten. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I'm like o- the only person who does. I like and Kingdom of the Crystal Skull too. It's a fun ride. It's it's a crazy ride, and I don't want them to pretend like that didn't happen. But I don't necessarily need to have Shia LaBeouf back at all. Yeah, I'm very much here for Indiana Jones Five. I you know, what new adventures will Indy take us on this time? And then even next next we have Willow, which is coming to Disney Plus. And uh, John Chu, who directed Crazy Rich Asians, is directing the pilot. Warwick Davis is back. I just recently watched Willow for the first time after this series was announced a couple months ago, like in October. And I watched it that day after it was announced because I was like, I have never seen Willow. And I don't think you've watched it yet, Caitlin, right? No, no. Um, it was so good. I really enjoyed Willow. <laughs> and I, now I cannot wait for the series just because I'm like, where's the sequel? Why was there no sequel made? This was so good. Here it's it a comes. Great fairy tale. Here it comes. I know. I'm excited. Apparently, it's going to take place like a couple decades after that. So are we going to see the next the princess? Like, I want to know. And apparently, it's shooting in Wales. So it'll be magical, fairy tale, everything good. I'm excited. Yeah, I will definitely be watching Willow before this comes out, so I can offer more of an opinion on it. We should do a podcast on Willow because there's, like, a lot of Star Wars parallel. It's great. There, Yeah, and there's so much love for Willow, um, so I know that it's it's such a a beloved story. Yeah, there's a lot to love about it. And then next, I'm really excited about this. Uh, Lucasfilm is making a a movie on the best-selling book, Children of Blood and Bone. When this was announced like a year ago, I'm just really excited to see Lucasfilm explore things outside of the Star Wars and Indiana Jones universe um, and try to, you know, take a gamble on like a sci-fi fantasy um, story that I think that they'll do really well. And it wasn't announced in this press announcement, but I know Rick Famuyiwa was attached to the project a while back, and I hope he still is. I mean, he's killing it in The Mandalorian. So I'm, I hope that that is true. And I'm excited about this. I know I have a friend who's like really into YA and she's like, God, I hope they do it justice. And I'm like, I'm sure they will because it's fantasy. And I don't think there's a lot of people who do fantasy as well as star as like Lucasfilm. It'll, it'll be beautiful. It'll be great. Yeah, I'm very excited for this. I really want to read Children of Blood and Bone now because mm-hmm. after uh, people have been talking about that book for a while now, obviously it's, you know, a wildly popular and critically acclaimed book. Um, but after he- hearing about it more yesterday, everyone was like, stop, stop, do not pass go, do not collect $200, go and read Children of Blood and Bone. So yeah. it's definitely on my list. When this was first announced, I knew nothing about Children of Blood and Bone. Like, I didn't know how how popular it was. I hadn't heard of the book before. And I was like, what, what is this? Where, like, what? it. It felt like it came out of left field for Lucasfilm, but the more that I've heard about the story, which granted is little and I haven't read it myself yet, um, it just it seems like it's a perfect fit. So I really do hope they do it justice. Um, I'm excited to read the book and I I do know that Lucasfilm will put out something great. 
Totally. So now we've reached the conclusion of all of the project announcements. Let's talk a little bit, if we can, about what the future of Star Wars looks like with all of these projects and what we think it all means. And is this even just, you know, a small slice of the pie? Like, why did we not hear anything about Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Why didn't we hear anything about Kevin Feige's movies? There's a lot of other projects that weren't even being talked about. Like, what's the next step for Star Wars animation past ba- the Bad Batch? And is that it? Rebel sequel? Is that happening? Like, where are we in the landscape of Star Wars right now? For me, for the past 24 hours, I just have really been thinking about how I feel like we've re- we're really entering a different era of Star Wars. And for me, it fills me with so much excitement because of these projects that I'm genuinely really excited about because these are my favorite characters, my favorite stories, and I I can't wait to see some of the holes being filled in. But also, it fills me with fear just based off of that excitement because I'm so excited for something. I just am so scared to be let down by even one of them. And I know that that's inevitable because I can't possibly like everything. Um, and I I just feel like in a world where for years and years and years we only had six movies, it's so interesting for me to try to like shift my perspective about the amount of Star Wars that we ha- will have in in life. And I've always wanted this. Like I I think that I want as much Star Wars as they can make. I, it's my favorite thing, and I want to watch a new Star Wars movie every Friday. You know, if I can. And Disney right, is willing let's not get to crazy. Let's not get crazy. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that with The Mandalorian, like in some ways it does feel like, oh my God, new Star Wars on Friday. And it's so, it's so high quality. It's so beautiful. It's like, it's so fun to watch like a mini movie every Friday. And if Star Wars wants to do that, like that's great because it feels like Star Wars is a constant in my life and has been for so long that I don't know. It's just, um, I'm really excited. I'm filled with fear. I can't believe they announced all this at once what do you think Caitlin I think yeah it's almost like now that I have had something that I didn't love immediately from Star Wars in the rise of Skywalker it's almost kind of like peeling the band-aid off and um I feel like that has kind of prepared me for these other things that I might not like as much or that might not be like good you know, like what if Andor is not good? I mean, what if the Acolyte is not good? Um, I, I've conquered that fear now in Star Wars. And so I feel like I can conquer it again. <laughs> and I hope I don't have to. But, you know, it's something that we've gone through together. And the thing about having so many options, it is – I think a lot of people start thinking about, okay, like what's the quality here? You know, does Neil Scanlon in the Creatures Department ever sleep? That's <laughs> – I'm worried about Neil Scanlon. <laughs> you know, <laughs> when yeah. they showed him in the Andor sizzle reel and he was like, we treat this just like a film. I'm like, dude, I hope you make so much money because <laughs> you're always in that creature department like making another fleshy never. looking uh alien <laughs> never leaves the creature department ever Literally. Literally. he sleeps on a tauntaun every night yeah. Yeah. you know i think that, 
you know, I think that question of quality it comes in, you know, quant- this I forget who was talking about this, but they're talking about quality over quantity. And I'm like, ma'am, all of your whatever department you're in, in addition to the rest of everything under the Disney umbrella, are talking about double digit releases here. <laughs> like, yeah. let's, let's kind of reframe our perspective. I think that's always a concern, but I think that the batting average for Star Wars for me and for us is – really really high and um, actually (laughs) you know if we've come this far in 15 years of being fans basically and how many releases we've gone through and sure there have been episodes that have disappointed us creators who have disappointed us but the kind of story-wise the biggest disappointment has been one out of nine out of Rogue One and Solo, 11, that's pretty good odds. Yeah, Um, it is pretty good odds. You know, and yeah, that was emotionally traumatic, that last one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that that was a little different too because there was added weight to that. It's a little different than, you know, that was like, this is the culminating cinema event of your life. Okay, yeah, but like what if Kenobi's not good? I still think the most mediocre Kenobi is going to be quality. (laughs) (laughs) It's like that's me showing my cards of I, – I know I, I was surprised by The Rise of Skywalker and I probably would have said the same thing about The Rise of Skywalker. But I I genuinely think that like it's going to be good. I really like Deborah Chow's work. I trust her. And I really like Ewan McGregor. I trust him. And I really like Hayden Christensen. So I don't know. If I don't like it, then that will be really surprising, <laughs> like genuinely really surprising. Yeah, but. I, 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 I just don't really see that happening. Um, I think that there was, if you want to compare it with The Rise of Skywalker, which you are, then I think there was definitely some hesitation about JJ returning and there were some things that felt off about that. And I think we, we, that we were people that were like, we trust JJ though. Yeah, I know we were. But like, I still think that in the back of our mind, it was like, mm, JJ's had some blunders, you know? And even with Chris Terrio, it was like, oh, Chris Terrio's had a lot of blunders. So, okay. But with, Deborah Chow I'm like I really like her work she's I really like what she has to say about Star Wars and I think it's gonna work but that's just my bias and that's my optimism and I think also think that that's okay yeah absolutely there and the thing is too there's just there's so much that something can still be good and not for you too and just not your the thing that you want to watch yeah and there's so much that's coming down the pipeline it's it's exciting. It's overwhelming. My first thought was, oh, good God, how are we going to podcast about all this? Oh, my God. Yeah, same. Yesterday night. The reason why we're podcasting today is because after yesterday's announcements, Caitlin and I were absolutely wiped. We were exhausted. I had the biggest headache and because I was just like the adrenaline high from the afternoon to this announcement and then coming back down and then reading all about it and everything. I was like, I'm exhausted right now. I feel like I've been in a convention and I haven't. I haven't left my apartment. It was crazy. <laughs> And I feel like I needed to let that sink in because personally, I've just never been thrown that much Star Wars information at me ever in my life. And I think that I was feeling the sense of like you a little bit of freaking out about like, how are we going to do this on the podcast? And like, the answer is all these things are going to be so spread out (laughs) because of the dates and everything. I mean, maybe 2022 is going to be crazy. Who knows? But I do think that I don't know. I, part of me is like when you're given 
a menu that's filled with all these different Star Wars offerings in the next two years, yeah, I'm not going to like at least one of them. I just thought those are the odds. And one is fine, you know? (laughs) For me, it feels like this is my dream that I wanted years ago. Like, oh my God, it's crazy. A Kenobi series, a Lando series, an Ahsoka series, a series about like what happens after Return of the Jedi, a series about Mandalorians that includes Boba Fett and all these things. Like, it's crazy. A series about Darksiders before even the time of the prequels. Like, all these series announcements at once, it's so exciting to see this like general excitement about things. And I have to remember that in the art of the Mandalorian book, which Caitlin and I haven't talked about on the podcast yet, but we will in 2021, um, I feel like the art department was so excited about working on the Mandalorian. In the book, they talk about this is the most excited we've been about a new project in years. I'm so thrilled to work on this. Doug Chang talked about how it was like working in the prequels again. It was like a whole rebirth of his, his career. So I do get a sense of there's a lot of people that are really excited about what they're doing and exploring. And that makes me excited. It's just like what I said about the Bad Batch. It was like, I'm not super pumped about the Bad Batch in terms of the content inside the story. Um, Or like, more like I'm not super excited about the Bad Batch because it's just not necessarily my thing. Like clones are not my thing. But hearing the people who are excited about it talk about it makes me excited to see their work. And I feel this, I I feel like I'm going to feel the same way about the amazing breadth of content that's happening with Lucasfilm. And yes, it is overwhelming. And yes, that's okay. Yeah, I think that's the, that's what I keep thinking about is that people just sound really excited about this stuff and not just, you know, high level executives telling us on Investors Day that we, the consumers, should be excited because they're excited. But (laughs) seeing these comments from, different creators that aren't even like on story group at Lucasfilm, which is pretty high up, but just, you know, an artist, a concept artist, someone who's heard something from someone else about how cool it's going to be. You know, it just, it feels like new creative energy almost. And really is kind of propelling a lot of these stories forward, even if they are about characters we already know. So I agree with you. I don't know. I mean, I think it's easy to get caught up in the whole conglomerate of Disney and like the monopoly of it all, the amount of companies that Disney owns now, and also to recognize the fact that Disney is having this exciting presentation like days after they finish laying off 32,000 people. Yeah. And we're like so pumped about the content that they're producing and I know it's a huge company and everything but it's it's easy to get like be like oh my god should I feel guilty for enjoying this and getting excited about this and I think all those feelings are totally fair it's just a lot (laughs) I mean I just I got this I really just get this feeling I'm like oh we're on like the cusp of something really different and also I mean I mentioned this before like I I'm not giving up about Ryan Johnson's trilogy I'm not I think no. that there's there's talks about how trilogies take 10 years to plan and maybe he's still working on it. We're only on year three. Yeah, exactly. And I think with the un- understanding of like what our theater is even going to look like, like we've really only got one film announcement for the movies, like yeah. for the theaters. Um, 
and that's Patty Jenkins's movie in 2023. Like that's far. So I I feel like I don't know. It's it's I think it's still on the table. Just like I still think Kevin Feige's thing is on the table, and that's so random to me. <laughs> and I constantly forget that that's happening. But as a Ryan Johnson fan, I really really want this trilogy to happen, and I'm I'm holding out hope. I'm really am holding out hope. I'm 100% holding out hope for me. It's it's already like it's going to happen until I hear otherwise. I that statement has never been retracted. So, yeah. I I keep that receipt with me close to my heart at all times. Yeah. yeah, and I think that like also to the comments about people being like who are all these the show is the shows that they are producing are uninspired and like I think that there's a a way to look at it to think that oh they're uh, yes perhaps they are uninspired but I don't actually feel that way at all so it's hard for me because I'm a little biased in the fact that I I think that with just with like titles that are marketable I'm not sure that that means that they are necessarily uninspired by the content and the stories that are inside of them um and I think that while while we've literally only scratched the surface and seen and heard from only about the titles about these things like we have no idea the content that it is inside of it the context not necessarily the content um because content was a word that they really threw around a lot there and it made me think a lot about like okay the weight of stories because stories are what's really interesting here not like the amount of content on something and that's what the framing of the fact that this was an investor's call comes in you know (laughs) not like a, a a convention um, as it sort of felt like, at least in those moments where it was, okay, here's Lucasfilm talking, here's Pixar, here's Disney Animation, here's Marvel. Um, you know, it was, I had to keep reminding myself, I'm like, oh, you're watching an investor's call. You're watching an investor's call. And yes, the jargon is going to be corporate, you know? Yeah. And I think when you compare it to the other companies, especially Disney itself, Disney branded, you know, like the princesses and stuff like that, Star Wars, I think, had the most number, the highest number of original, what seems like original characters and concepts and um, TV series and films announced. Uh, Like, there were so many princess offshoots that were announced yesterday too, live action A Little Mermaid, a Beauty and the Beast sequel, prequel, something like that. Like, a dozen of things all tied already to the princess stories. And even like with Marvel, we know a lot of their TV shows are based off of characters we've already seen in films like that. They do have some new stuff coming down the pipeline too, of course. Um, But I think that Star Wars Lucasfilm had some of the most original content. And yeah, Rangers of the New Republic is not – doesn't feel new. Like you said, doesn't feel like an inspired title. But that doesn't mean that – what we actually find in the story isn't going to be groundbreaking or compelling. Yeah. And I think, I think that, it's true. Yeah, you go down like Rogue Squadron is going to have all new characters. Tyga's film, all new characters. Um, Range of the New Republic, all new characters. Uh, Acolyte, all new characters. Um, Visions, all new characters. Uh, that's almost half. Well, yeah. maybe all visions, all new characters. Who knows? But yeah, I mean, we don't know exactly what is coming yeah. visions, but could be all new characters or half new characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and even seeing, you know, something like like Andor has Diego Luna and Genevieve O'Reilly as Mon Mothma, and then everyone else 
feels like they're new characters too. So even having a titular character for these things doesn't necessarily mean that the majority of those characters aren't going to be new. Yeah, I agree with you. And okay, Keelan, if you were to pick the five that you were most excited about, what would you pick? We're doing like Sky Talker's dinner party, but Sky Talker's marathon. Yes. You can only watch five of these. Yep. I'm picking Kenobi, mm-hmm. Acolyte, mm-hmm. Visions, Ahsoka, and Taika. Oh, wow. Okay. So I'm picking Kenobi, Acolytes, Ahsoka, Rogue Squadron, Taika. So hard. <laughs> I know. It's like killing your darlings. And then when you have the choice, I don't know. It's interesting because the one that I'm like, I'm number one most excited about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's coming soon. Like they're filming that soon and everything. And that to me, it feels so real. And I wonder if that even feeds into why I'm so excited about it because I'm getting more details and everything. And there's a lot for me in my brain to like grab onto and get excited about when these other ones, it's like, we don't really have that much. I'm so excited because I love Leslie Headland that I, I, I'm so excited about that show. And my excitement for that is only going to grow, but it, it could come where I see bits and pieces of that. And that is also coming out the same time as Kenobi if it is and maybe this one and maybe the Acolytes is more interesting to me than Kenobi and I don't know maybe Lando is more interesting to me too like things will come out of left field I'm surprised by so much with Star Wars that I and like what I like I I never want to limit myself about what I think I like and what I think I don't like Um, and I'm just looking forward to being surprised by these series. And I want the creators and the storytellers to have the most fun they possibly can, hopefully unshackled by Disney, <laughs> in my Please opinion. God. Please, God. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I really want. That's like best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I uh, We've got a lot to look forward to. And who who knows what's coming next? <laughs> Truly. Yeah. Who knows? All right. Well, is there anything that we've forgot? <laughs> I don't think we forgot a single series. I don't think so either. There's a lot. I mean, besides the fact that, you know, she didn't explicitly mention Mandalorian season three. They did show a sizzle reel for season two. They're clearly so proud of it. And they have a reason to be proud of it just because of the fact that, like, thank God Star Wars content existed in 2020 so that Disney Plus was stacked with solid content, you know? Um, that was really highly produced and it was the same show that they kicked the Disney Plus off with, you know? So it makes sense that they were so excited about it, but we didn't really get any information about season three. I would assume season three is starting to film soon. Yeah, I think so too. Um, it makes sense for them not to say anything until we see the end of this season, so. Yeah, true, true. Wow, it just freaked me out a little bit. Yep. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I think that is going to wrap up this episode all about the Disney investor call. Who knew? I think this is my third or fourth investor call that I've sat in on (laughs) now at this point. It's a rite of passage. (laughs) And this one is definitely the most flashy. Um, Come come next quarter, next fiscal year, when you're just sitting on the phone, um, 
listening to them talk numbers, then then I'll know you're a real fan. No, I'm kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> I've been there listening to Bob Iger field questions from banks and random corporations across the world. And it is actually interesting. But I'm like, this is how deep I go right now. And what do I think about that personally? <laughs> reflect upon that <laughs> yeah let me reflect upon that. Uh, but i hope you guys enjoyed this episode uh let us know what you are most excited about we are um on, we've had a lot of content you know talking about the content machine we've had a lot of content come out this week we had the best of 2020 on our patreon which was a patreon exclusive episode that we put out this week as well as this one and then this weekend we're going to be talking about the latest episode of the mandalorian so Lots of Sky Talkers, hashtag content for you too. <laughs> but oh if you, hashtag content. Uh, if you want to follow us online, you can find us on Twitter at Sky Talkers Pod or our personal Twitter handles. Charlotte's is at Clarity and mine is at Caitlin Flusher. We also have our website, skytalkers.com, our Instagram, and our Facebook too. And if you haven't left us a review yet on iTunes, we would love it if you took a second to do that so it can help other people find our show and listen to us talk for two and a half hours now about the Disney investor call, <laughs> which is the flashiest title, I think, of any of our podcast episodes. So I don't know if I'm going to go with that title. So yeah, <laughs> we'll it's probably not going to be called Disney investor call. Yeah. Edition, but you all listening know that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but and if you are interested in other ways to support our show, you can head on over to our Patreon and check out our reward tiers there. Yes, and I want to say a huge thank you to these patrons, Patricia, Sophie, Fifi, Alex, Dylan, John, Eunice, Brian, Paul, Kimberly, Suki, Shelby, One Reply, Derek, Tegan, Imbecilius, Monica, Stephen, and Joanne. Thank you so much for supporting us. Your support means the world. Yes, thank you guys so much. And until next time, may the force be with you. May the force be with you.